Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, thinking through God's Word together. Glad that you could join us on this Friday morning, afternoon, evening, depending on where you are in the world. And we are working our way through the book of Isaiah very slowly. We are, uh, we are making a little bit of headway today in, in chapter one. You know, as we looked at this yesterday, and actually the all week, but especially yesterday's portion, um, I can't help but think uh, the Jews in the biblical narrative give us an, uh, a great perspective on, on humanity, on our wickedness. Now, not, not those of us who are Christians who have been born again by the Spirit, who have the new heart and the new mind and all that, but we look out at our world and we think, how can they be so foolish? Uh, you know, we, we, we just uh, observe uh, just the, the contrast between what we've seen in the last couple of years, people running through streets, burning down buildings, looting, rioting, and people rushing to say, hey, that's free speech. They have a right for all these reasons. And then you've got other people who are seeking to speak against that kind of thing. And there are folks ru- rushing to, sh- to quiet them, to shut them out. And, and that's just one small, <clears throat> small piece of it. But you look at so many things in the world, you think we're, we're just foolish, ignorant people who don't understand the contradictions, don't understand what we are, um, the results of our actions. We don't seem to care. And this is an overgeneralization. I get it. But, and mostly in the world, it seems like there's just very little concern with what God thinks about our actions. And as I, I said yesterday at the beginning, we want to quickly say it's, oh, if we just had prayer back in schools, if we had the Bible back in schools, that kind of thing. Well, that'd be great. But to think that simply having religious practice, even Christian religious practice is going to transform the world. That's just not true. We need new hearts. We need God to cleanse us, to purify us, and to give us a will, a desire to please him and to be sensible. And Israel is exhibit A on this. They had the commandments of God, they had the covenant with God, they had the miracles of God, the promises, all those things, and they were a wicked people, as we will, as we'll see. So anyway, uh, that's just on my mind as we get started here today. Good morning, Sherry, and for the rest of you that are with us, uh, glad you were here. So I want to finish up where we started yesterday in Deuteronomy, but to set that up, let's get back to uh, Isaiah just for a moment to set it up. So this is the vision Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw this during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And if you remember, we talked about how uh, this started about 740 BC and continued on until about 687 BC. So he had a very long 40, 50 years of prophetic ministry, and he is speaking to the southern kingdom. And we emphasized how these are visions, visions that he saw. So with visions here, we, we shouldn't uh, hone in on overly, we shouldn't demand overly precise details because they're visions, some of which uh, things that he didn't even understand what he was seeing, 
but then he revealed those, he wrote them down, and we can now start putting pieces together. So this first vision is God as prosecuting attorney. He is calling Israel to account. Think of a courtroom. And God is calling us first witness. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Right? So imagine yourself in a heavenly courtroom, and God is now calling Israel, calling Judah to task. And he is, uh, he is speaking uh, the verdict and the judgment and weighing the evidence and so on. And heavens and earth are his first witness. He says, sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. So this is the, uh, the charges. An ox knows its owner, a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity. Right? This is God charging the Jews, and, and he describes them here as, as like having heavy burdens on them, uh, weighed down with iniquity, he says. They are offspring of evildoers. Uh, offspring. Um, they're children of evildoers, so generations of corruption. Sons who act corruptly, they have abandoned Yahweh. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your, your rebellion? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. In other words, they're, they're covered as he goes on sole of the foot, even of the head. Their whole body is, uh, is, has been struck, beaten with rods. Uh, their head is sick. The whole heart, the, there's nothing left in their body. Uh, no place left that has not been bruised. There's nothing sound in their body, only bruises, welts, raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. So Isaiah seeing this vision of God describing Israel this way after they've taken their beating. Verse seven, their land is desolate. Your city, or your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation as overthrown by strangers so on. Uh, the daughter of Zion is like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. We'll come back to that in a moment. So what I wanted to do is just set that scene again, because yesterday we looked at how way back at the beginning of, uh, of their relationship with the Lord, as they were entering the promised land in Deuteronomy, when Moses is preparing them to take the promised land, uh, God said, I am giving three witnesses. Remember in Jewish law, everything had to be confirmed by two or three witnesses. You couldn't be convicted without two or three eyewitnesses who saw you commit the crime. And Moses gives, or God gives through Moses, three witnesses. There is heavens and earth. That's why he says here, listen, O heavens, and listen, O earth, give ear. Heaven and earth, bear witness, Moses says, to what I'm about to tell you. The, uh, the law itself, the, the, the book of the covenant, placed near the Ark of the Covenant as a witness against them, a testimony that they know what God expects of them, and he has foretold what they're going to do. And then the third witness, and this is what we started getting to yesterday, was this song that Moses is going to sing to Israel, and then Israel is going to sing this song throughout the duration of their years, of their existence. And it is a song where God 
tells them through through this song and they sing it. I mean, imagine every Sabbath, right? They're singing this song and singing about their wickedness, their idolatry, God's anger and judgment that is coming on their wickedness. And then we find just kind of out of nowhere, it seems, the song includes God's mercy on some of the Jews and his vengeance against his enemies. We're going to read this because this is exactly what we see play out over and over and over again in uh, in the book of Isaiah. God's anger and wrath against the nation of Israel and the and the, the, the both kingdoms, but especially he's writing to, to Judah, the southern kingdom. And yet there's a remnant within and God's vengeance on his enemies. And then there's hope. Very interesting how this plays out. So here's the song. And again, imagine, you know, we, we have our um, mighty fortress as our God, be thou my vision, whatever song you like to sing in church. Imagine uh, gathering as the people of God to sing this song. So Deuteronomy 31, 30 and following. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel, the words of this song until they were complete. Here's the song. Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. You see, heavens and earth, they're part of this, which is what we saw in Isaiah, God calling heaven and earth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, and as the showers on the herb. Uh, let, let Let my teaching replenish you and nourish you. For I proclaim the name of Yahweh. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. Now, let me pause here for a second. You see this word just. In the English, they've translated this as an adjective. His ways are just. In the Hebrew and in the Greek, in the Septuagint, the word is actually judgment. It's a noun. Changes the flavor just a little bit. I wish the uh, translators were, would just translate it here. All his ways are judgment. As Israel is practicing their wickedness and their idolatry throughout their generations, and they're singing this song over and over and over again, they are singing, his ways are judgment. Those are his paths. He loves judgment. Through the prophet Jeremiah, he says, if you know me, you know that I delight in judgment, in righteousness. So they're committing their sins and their idolatry. They they carve idols out of rock and wood and worship those idols all while singing the song that God's paths are judgment. You would think that would get their attention, that somebody would be sitting there in the Sabbath school and saying, "Um, hmm, is this a good idea that we're worshiping idols with a God whose, whose paths are judgment, but they didn't. <clears throat> a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. This faithfulness is faithfulness to everything he promises, to bless if they obey, but also to condemn if they disobey. That's God's faithfulness. He will do what he says he will do. Here's the pronouncement. Again, they're singing this song generation after generation, about themselves. They have acted corruptly toward him. They are not his children, 
because of their defect, but are a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus repay Yahweh, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who has bought you? He has, he has made you and established you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you, your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. God is the one who's given you all of this land. He's saying, so they are to sing this song as they, as they go into the promised land, and God is going to divvy up all this, the, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, Canaan's land, all of this uh, rich, fertile soil. He's going to divide it up among the numbers of the sons of Israel, and they're to sing this song and remember God's blessing on them as they continue to commit their idolatry and provoke his wrath. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He, God, found him, found Jacob, in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. This is how God has taken care of the Jewish people. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them and carried them on his pinions. Do you hear echoes of this? When Jesus is pronouncing the final judgment on the Jews in 70 AD, he warns them of what's coming. He's rebuking them for their hypocrisy. Woe to the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he go, you know, this is Matthew 23. He goes on and on. You travel over land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn him into twice the son of hell that you are yourselves. It's just scathing, scathing rebuke of the Jews. Jesus says, how I would gather you under my wings like a hen gathers its chicks, but you were not willing. Do you hear echoes of the song of Moses when Jesus says that? Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings. God says, I spread my wings over Jacob. I found him in the middle of the wilderness and I covered him. Jesus says, I would have protected you, but you weren't willing. Behold, your city is left to you desolate. Same word that we see in Isaiah 1 there. The Lord alone guided him, guided Jacob, and there was no foreign God with him. So Jacob was faithful to the one true God, Yahweh. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field. He made him suck honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. It's an interesting word picture there. Imagine putting a rock in your mouth and sucking on it. Can you think of anything more dry and unsatisfying as trying to suck a rock and get nutrients? And yet God took such care of the Jews, that when they sucked on a rock, they, uh, they got honey from it. Curds of cow and milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams, the breed of Bashan and goats with the finest of the wheat and of the blood of grapes, you drank wine. They had the finest wine. But Jeshurun grew fat. You are grown fat, thick, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. So God is telling them ahead of time, you're about to enter in the promised land. 
and you are going to enjoy all of my blessing. And then you are going to forsake me and say, look, look what we've done. We have made ourselves into this wonderful, rich, thriving nation. And suddenly devotion to Yahweh who provided all this is not going to be enough. And they're going to seek after other gods. They go fat, dumb, and happy and deny the one who provided all of this. He forsook God who made him. He scorned the rock of his salvation. He being here, Jacob, which is Israel, the Jews. They made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known. New gods who have come lately, whom your fathers did not dread. Again, imagine generation after generation after generation of Jews singing this song about worshiping idols as they're worshiping idols, right? They gather in the temple and they've, and they gather in their high places where they have made these false gods to worship them singing this song about God's wrath because they have forsaken him for false gods. You'd think they'd know better. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave gave you birth. The Lord, Yahweh, saw this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faithfulness. Again, you see, remember what he said back here in Isaiah? Uh, verse two, sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its master, a donkey its master's manger. I'm sorry, an ox knows its owner, a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. These are a sinful nation weighed down with iniquity. Sons who act corruptly, they've abandoned the Lord. Same thing. So in Isaiah, remember this is almost a thousand years after Moses. So you've got the song of Moses describing what they will do, and then God through Isaiah prosecuting them like a prosecuting attorney and charging them with doing exactly what he had predicted they would do, and they did it as they sang this song through generations. They knew full well what they were doing and what God's judgment on them would be. They are a perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God through their idols. They've provoked God to jealousy. They've provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Now, if you were with us in the Romans series where we looked at Romans 9 through 11 and looked at what Paul said regarding the future of Uh, the Jews in his day, he quotes this very verse. God says, they will make, uh, they, I will make them jealous with another nation. That's the gospel going to the Gentiles, Paul tells us. And I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Again, that's God sent Jesus, the Messiah to the Jews. They rejected him. Most of them, few accepted, but most rejected. And so God then turned and sent the gospel to the nations. And left the uh, Jews behind. Paul quotes that in Romans 
10, 11. For a fire is kindled in my anger and burns to the lowest part of Sheol and consumes the earth with its yield and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. God is angry with the Jews and he's going to pour out his wrath through fire. I will heap misfortunes on them. I will use my arrows on them. They will be wasted by famine and consumed by plague. A bitter destruction and the teeth of beasts I will send upon them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. Outside the sword will bereave and inside terror, both young man and virgin, the nursling with the man of gray hair. So all age groups, both sexes, young and old, they'll get it from God. I would have said, I will cut them to pieces. I will remove the memory of them from men. God says, I am so angry. I would have just wiped them out so that no one ever remembers the Jews again. What stopped him? He said, had I not feared the provocation by the enemy that their adversaries would misjudge, that they would say, oh, our hand is triumphant and Yahweh has not done all this. In other words, God is saying here, the reason I'm not going to wipe out every single Jew, like every single one, is because the nations that I use to come upon them, to destroy them, they will take credit for it. And I don't want those nations to take credit for it. So I'm not going to destroy them all. For they are a nation lacking in counsel, and there is no understanding in them. This is his people he's talking about. Would that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would discern their future. Again, I know I keep saying this, but we read through this so quickly, we, we, we don't stop and really ponder what this means. For, a, for the next 1,000 years... The Jews who will receive great blessing, they will conquer their enemies in Canaan. They'll have victory. Remember the story of of Jericho? All they had to do was march around the city and then blow their trumpets and cry out and the walls come tumbling down and they went in and slaughtered their enemies with ease. God gave them victory after victory after victory. And then what happens to the period of the judges? They were continually unfaithful to God and God would bring a nation against them and and they would cry out and call upon the Lord and the Lord would raise up a judge and he would go and lead them into victory over their enemies and you'd think now they'll get it. Now they'll be faithful. But that judge would die and the next generation would commit idolatry and God would bring up a nation against them and wipe them out and uh, or at least, you know, bring great persecution and uh, they would cry out for help and God would raise up a judge and just this cycle over and over and over again. And you remember the repeated repeated refrain in Judges, two of them, two, two statements that are repeated. There was no king in Israel. They had no leadership and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So finally, God raises up David and David leads them into large, widespread obedience. But then as we saw at the beginning of this series, his son Solomon, who was magnificent in terms of creating thriving economy and prosperity and construction and infrastructure and everything, military, everything you need to, to have a, a, a wonderful nation as we look at it from, earthly, but from earthly perspective. But he led them into great idolatry. And all the while they're singing this song, 
generation after generation singing about this. Would that they were wise and understood this, that they would discern their future. But they didn't discern their future. They continued in their wickedness. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? The only explanation that a small country could come in and, and send the Jews fleeing is if God was not with the Jewish people any longer. Now, this is where it starts getting very interesting. Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Who is speaking here? The NAS is giving you some interpretation. Uh, this rock is not capitalized. This rock is. Uh, so one of them seems to be talking about God. So indeed, their rock, the rock that the Jewish people, by and large, are worshiping, is not like our rock. Seems like there is a, a remnant here of faithful Jews describing the disobedient Jews. Even our enemies themselves judge this. Even those nations who, are, who come in and persecute the Jews and triumph over them understand those idols are not like Yahweh. They know the stories of old from Egypt and such about Yahweh. For their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Remember the famous stories back in Genesis where God sent fire from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in, in one fell swoop. Uh, God is describing, the Song of Moses here is describing the Jews who are worshiping idols as coming from the same source as Sodom and Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. Again, Jesus, you brood of vipers. When he rebukes the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. Moses here says, their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. Is it not laid up in store with me, the Lord says, sealed up in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip. God will not stand by and tolerate this forever. For the day of their calamity is near and the impending things are hastening upon them. This seems to be the way of God, isn't it? Uh, Jesus, I'm coming soon. <laughs> it's near. And yet Peter has to say, the Lord is not slow about his coming. Be patient. God continued to warn Israel. It's coming. Judgment is coming. I will not allow this forever. In due time, the calamity will come. And then this gets very interesting. We start seeing some things here at the end of this song that uh, seem like he, there's, there's a, another strain of, of uh, prediction here. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants. A little glimpse here of remnant. Right? God is, he said here, vengeance is mine. He will repay. There is retribution. And by the way, the writer of Hebrews quotes this, warning the first century converts from the, Jew, from the Jews to Christianity. If you abandon the gospel to go back to the old covenant ways, 
God will judge you. Vengeance is mine. We know the one who said this. Well, in its original context here of, uh, of Deuteronomy, the song of Moses, uh, God is saying, I'm going to judge my people, my wicked, idolatrous people, but there will be a remnant. The Lord will vindicate his people. Not all Israel is Israel, if you were with us in Romans 9 through 11. There will be a, a, a group of elect Israel within ethnic Israel who will, God will vindicate and have compassion on. When he sees that their strength is gone and there's none remaining, bond or free. So he will choose bond servants and free, free men from his people and have mercy on them and not destroy them all. And he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your hiding place. So you see what he's predicting? I'm going to judge my people. I'm going to bring destruction on them and, and say, flee to your idols. Let them save you from my wrath. But then he'll have compassion on a small number within it. See now that I, I am he. And there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded. It is I who heal. And there is none who can deliver from my hand. Let me pause here for one second and just ask you a question to ponder. God says very clearly, I am the one who put to death and I give life. Do we believe that? Do we believe that we serve this God? God is one who puts to death. God is one who gives life. God wounds. God heals. God brings nations against nations. He causes calamity and he brings peace. Do we think the world is spinning out of control, out of God's control? That he has nothing to do with what we see going on in the world? No, the God who reveals himself in the scripture is the God who is sovereign over all things. He is the God to serve. He is the God to worship. He is the God to obey. He's the God to fear. He's the God to run to for deliverance, for hope, for salvation. He says, indeed, I lift up my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on justice, I will render vengeance on my adversaries and I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword will devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired leaders of the enemy. This is the God who is. This is the, the God of the Bible. This is good news for Christians because this is the same God that we see in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus, who is now ruling over heaven and earth, it's the same God. And those who persecute Christians, who persecute the people of the high king Jesus, they will not get away with it. He will bring his vengeance against those who persecute his people. Take heart, Christian. You are the people of God now. And the Lord Jesus will avenge us when we are persecuted. And then very interestingly, the way this song ends is this. Rejoice, O nations. 
with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servant, servant, uh, servants. He will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Rejoice, O nations. So this whole song is about Israel, their idolatry, God's anger. He's going to judge his people. So it's mostly about the Jews, but then we get the the little glimpses of he will turn to the nations. He will provoke Israel to jealousy by turning to the nations. He will have compassion on his people. So a little remnant within Israel. And then here at the end of the song, rejoice, O nations. This is what we're going to see repeatedly in Isaiah. A lot of focus on the Jews of Isaiah's day and the coming judgment for all their wickedness and idolatry. But then glimpses of God's judging the nations, God preserving a remnant of Israel, and then glorious visions of the nations coming to the Lord. We're going to see that over and over again in Isaiah. So here in in Deuteronomy, we have a little snapshot of what's coming. All right, I see a few things from uh, from Grateful here, and then we will. So I'll look at these, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, he says, "What does the name Israel mean to you?" Uh, that's an interesting question. Maybe you can give me a little bit more uh, on what you uh, what you are asking with that uh, question. I'm not uh, entirely sure. It's a big question. He says, or she says, I don't know who this is. Uh, we also see this eagle metaphor when Jesus was driven into the w- to the W when the accuser brings up the fact that he will not let his feet be dashed on the rocks. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. Servants, and then there's bond servants, which, which one are we? When we got baptized, did we come up Corbin? Um, Servants and bond servants are uh, are not too distinct. When you say when we got baptized, did we come up Corbin? Uh, I'm not sure what what you're asking there. Uh, thank you for the encouragement to take heart. For now we wait, wait on the Lord. Uh, do a fray study in that. Yeah, uh, you've got to follow up here. Revelation, check out there regarding rejoice. It's another vision. Yeah, good. All right, Lon says, thanks, Doug. God is certainly passionate about how we act, makes me more aware of judgment for my moment-by-moment moment, actions, thoughts, etc. Yeah, that's we, we should be that way. All right, uh, we're going to call it a day. Uh, we will next. <laughs> uh, we're going to go slow through this, so we will uh, wrap up chapter one of Isaiah next week. Uh, we will uh, take a break on Monday for Memorial Day. Have a great long weekend, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you back here on Tuesday to continue the study. Have a great day in the Lord. God bless.